What's up, guys? Welcome to the Fesh Fit Podcast, where we talk about all things strength, conditioning, technique, and mindset to help you crush your dancing goals. Today, we are going to dive into what to do if you feel like you danced your best, you worked your hardest, and you still didn't get the result you want. Before we get into that, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you could please just take 10 seconds and rate and review this episode or this podcast, that would mean the world to me. My goal is to help as many dancers as I can improve their dancing. And the way I do that is through mood of mouth and ratings and reviews and all that. So if you could just take like three seconds or however long it takes, give this podcast a five-star rating. If you don't like it, you know, you can just skip that part <laughs> and leave a sentence or two about what you like about the podcast. Let's get into this content because I know this is something that a lot of dancers struggle with. We are in full-blown Arocta season right now, and this time of year, there are dancers who are super excited celebrating their success and others who have who are extremely frustrated because they feel like they worked their butt off, they put in so much time and so much energy, and they still didn't get the placement they wanted. It's easy for us to talk about success and how great it feels to work hard and then see your results pay off. If you watch Instagram stories right now, and Irish dance Instagram stories, whether it be mine or whether, you know, dance schools or personal Instagram pages of dancers, this time of year, you will see dancers celebrating their success with their trophies and sashes and hugging each other and reaction videos, etc. But what we don't talk about or talk quite about as much is how much it sucks when you work your absolute hardest, dedicate time and energy to your dancing, and then don't get the placement you want. That's why today I want to talk about how to work through the feeling of working your hardest, improving a ton, going into competition day, feeling confident, dancing three or two solid rounds, and still not getting getting what you want. It's extremely disappointing and it happens all of the time. Something that is really, really hard to accept and understand about Irish dancing and about life in general is that you can improve a ton, you can work your absolute hardest, and there are going to be times that you still don't get the results you want. This doesn't mean your hard work is for nothing. It doesn't mean that you personally did not improve. It doesn't mean you went backwards. Doesn't mean you're a complete failure at life or at dancing. It simply means you didn't get the results you wanted on that day. Let's get into why this happens sometimes and what you can do about it after the fact and before. Okay, so here we go. Number one, really important to understand, and I this is something that I wish that I would have understood more when I was dancing, and I wish all dancers would understand because it helps you kind of put your results into perspective. Your end result as at a major is somewhat of an estimate. Here's what I mean by that. Imagine you are at an ice cream competition, an ice cream tasting competition, okay? You are the judge and you are going to rank 90 ice creams. You're gonna get like a little taste of all 90 ice creams. 
Now, that alone would be pretty hard to judge, right? Like having to decide out of 90 ice creams, what's number one, two, three, four, five, all the way down through 90. But we're gonna make this even harder, okay? This specific ice cream competition is not just any ice cream competition. It has a very strict rule where every flavor has to be vanilla. Okay, every flavor in the competition is some variation of vanilla flavored ice cream. Here's how it's going to work. You, the judge, are going to sit at a table and taste three different vanilla ice cream variations every 90 seconds. Okay, so the timer will start for 90 seconds. You'll taste three different vanilla ice creams. You'll rank them. Okay, you'll give them a set amount of points based on how much you like them. And then you'll get the next three ice creams. And every 90 seconds, you get three more until you get through all 90. With these different flavors or different kinds of vanilla, <laughs> you can judge them on creaminess, taste quality, presentation, and toppings. Now, there isn't a set rubric, but you have an idea of what to look for in basic quality vanilla ice cream. The ice cream contestants are allowed to add toppings, put them in fancy bowls or elaborate fancy cones, but the main rule is they must use some kind of vanilla as their base flavor, regardless of the extra frills to the vanilla ice cream. Let's walk through how you may judge this. As you're tasting the ice cream, there may be five to 10-ish ice creams that stand out as, oh my gosh, this is one of the best ice creams I've ever had, undeniably like one of the best ice creams ever. The flavor is impeccable, it's creamy and rich, and it has just enough of my favorite toppings. So that would be like maybe five to 10-ish, okay? Give or take some. Then there may be another like 10 to 20-ish that are like, man, this is really good ice cream. It's not the absolute best I've ever had, I don't think. I mean, it's definitely up there and it's definitely really, really, really good, but it wasn't the best ice cream I've ever had. Then from there, the vast majority of ice cream in the competition is going to be really good, have all the staple ice cream qualities you look for, but it isn't the best vanilla ice cream you've ever had. Maybe it has all the main qualities of good ice cream, but you notice it could be a little creamier, so you know it when might you're thinking it most likely fall somewhere in the middle. Whether it's fifth or fifty-fifth is pretty irrelevant. There are so many ice creams you like and so many that are similar, it's hard to distinguish the exact difference between the middle ice cream rankings especially when you can only taste them once and only have 90 seconds to make a decision on each ice cream ranking. Within this scenario, let's say you are an experienced ice cream tasting connoisseur. Sorry, that's my cat yelling in the background. <laughs> and so you are a ice cream tasting connoisseur and you are a stickler for having the correct toppings to ice cream ratio. You believe ice cream topping to ice cream ratio is ice cream making 101. And anyone who doesn't have enough toppings is, or too many toppings is automatically at the bottom of the competition for you. 
Even if you have an ice cream that tastes pretty good, but it doesn't have the right amount of toppings, you believe that having the right toppings to ice cream ratio is one of the basic ice cream qualities that everyone should look for. So anyone who doesn't do that correctly is moved to the bottom of the competition in your ranking. This whole ice cream scenario is very similar to the insanely hard work of an Irish dance judge. Everyone who goes into the Oireachtas is pretty good. A lot of dancers there are really good. And judges have about 90 seconds to determine which dancers they think are the best. Usually a small handful of dancers will stand out as, oh my gosh, they were one of the absolute best dancers I've ever seen. Just like the five to 10 best tasting ice creams. But the vast majority of dancers are going to be really good, but not the absolute best dance dancer ever. So they end up falling somewhere in the middle. Their exact numerical placement obviously changes based on the competition size, like what the middle is. In our ice cream analogy, the middle may look like ice cream that tastes great, it's really creamy, has decent toppings, but it's not the best toppings you know, the judge has ever had in their life, or it may not be the most bright and beautiful ice cream cone they've ever seen. You may begin to see that there isn't really a huge difference between the 45th best ice cream and the 55th best ice cream. They're both good, you just had to rank them somewhere to the best of your ability in 90 seconds. Tying this back to your dancing, the reason this is important to understand is because when you drop a few places at the Oireachtas, or even like 10 places, let's say you get 35th one year and 45th the next, it's easy to feel like you're a total failure and somehow got significantly worse, when in reality, it just means you weren't good enough to get into the next tier of dancers. You were pretty good. You just didn't have some significant X factor that made the judge think, oh my gosh, that was one of the best performances I've seen all day, or that really stood out. I need to make sure he or she is ranked higher. This is also why it's important to take a step back and look at the bigger picture of your improvement versus living fest result to fest result or competition result to competition result. If you go back and forth in placements with the same three or four people at every fest, and when they beat you, you completely wig out and think you somehow got way worse overnight and you're never going to be a successful dancer, you're going to drive yourself insane. Going back and forth with people doesn't mean you are amazing one day and then terrible the next day. It usually means you aren't significantly knock your socks off mind blown better than the people you are competing against that day. But it also doesn't mean that you are significantly knock your socks off mind blown worse than the people you're competing against that day. Everyone's good. The judges just have a job of ranking you and everyone has to fall somewhere. So this kind of brings us into our second point, and that is not recalling or being closer to the bottom doesn't mean you're a terrible dancer and definitely doesn't mean you're a terrible human. It most likely means you have one or more easy eliminators. As I mentioned earlier, judges have an insanely hard job having to judge a major competition where all the dancers are at least pretty good. This is why if you have anything that can easily eliminate you from the recall, you will probably be knocked out of the recall. 
I want to dive into this more so you really understand. When I start working with dancers in my online one-on-one -on -one coaching program, we always start with the dance video analysis where we look at how they move as a whole, and then we go over the concept of eliminators and accelerators. Eliminators are the basic Irish dance techniques that every judge looks for. They are things that would make it really easy to eliminate you from a recall or definitely from the top 10%. The first three biggest eliminators are turnout, crossing, and timing slash rhythm. If your feet are straight or you aren't crossed or you're off time and your rhythm isn't correct, you are making it very easy to be eliminated from the recall. These are the first things we learn as Irish dancers. These are like the basics of the basics. So if you don't have them down, it makes judges' jobs really easy to kind of just knock you out of the top. Other examples of eliminators are posture and arms being all over the place, dropping the heels, or also, in other words, not being on your toes, and floppy feet or not arching or sickling as you arch. If you are listening to this wondering why you didn't recall and you worked so hard and it feels like none of it mattered, rather than beating yourself up, go back and look for any eliminators you may have had. If you don't have competition videos, don't worry. Go take a video of yourself in the studio, ideally if you can. If not, take it at home and watch it. As you watch it, ask yourself, am I turned out? Am I on time? Is my rhythm even and correct? Am I crossed? Am I on my toes? Are my feet and my toes pointed? Is my upper body rigid or is my upper body all over the place? Are my arms by my side or are they bending or jumping out every time I jump? Do what you need to to process your disappointment. Like, obviously, don't shove down and ignore your feelings. But then after you feel like you've had enough time to process it and kind of lean into it and let, you know, go through that, pick yourself up and look at it a bit more objectively. Going from no recall to recall or even into, like, top 20 or top 10 isn't impossible. You just have to get super honest with yourself and look at what's making it easy to eliminate you from the top. Then improve those things. After you fix your eliminators, then you want to focus more on things that will help you stand out. I call these your accelerators. Examples of accelerators are crazy high toe height, really big sharp movements, kicking your face and your kicks and clicks, super high hanging leaps, ultra tight snappy lines, or insanely advanced rhythm sequences. You know, all those things at a competition that you might go, whoa, that is one of the best dancers I've ever seen. Or you see in the practice room and you're like, oh my gosh, like they are really, really good. Okay, those are accelerators. You'll notice that, not always, but this is very subjective, but in general, you will notice a lot that people in the top five to 10 usually have no big eliminators and they have at least one accelerator. The top three usually have multiple accelerators. Maybe this is that they kick themselves in the face on every kick and click, or maybe they have crazy high hanging leaps, or maybe they dance super high on their toes the whole time, or have incredible arches. Whereas the middle usually have no big eliminators, or maybe they have one eliminator, but it's not that big, but they don't have a lot of really big accelerators. 
And then the bottom quarter usually have more than one eliminator or they have one eliminator that really stands out. So like maybe their only eliminator is that there is their turnout, but their feet are like completely straight the whole time. Or maybe they have one arm that just keeps jumping up and it's super distracting from their whole presentation. Like I said before, this isn't always the case because as we talked about earlier, dance competition is highly subjective, but it's a really good starting point for viewing your dancing through the judge's eyes and from more of a constructive standpoint versus just beating yourself up for not doing as well as you want it to. Quick note, quick but important <laughs> note on eliminators and accelerators. One of the biggest mistakes I see dancers make is obsessing over their accelerators before they have fixed their eliminators. For example, they won't do well at a competition, you know, they won't do well for a long time. Um, I ask them, you know, what do you think you need to improve? And they will tell me they're obsessing over their higher clicks or getting their clicks higher, but they are ignoring the fact that their back foot is totally straight or they're ignoring the fact that their feet are floppy and they're not arching at all and their foot is sickling in, but you know they want to ignore that and focus on higher leaps. Instead, focus on getting your basic technique down 100%, then work on your accelerators. Working on your accelerators before working on your eliminators, so like working on giant hanging leaps before while you're off time, okay, is like a singer obsessing over being able to hit the highest notes possible and ignoring the fact that they are singing completely off tune the entire song. That is point number two there. Okay, not recalling or being closer to the bottom doesn't mean you're a terrible dancer, you're not a terrible human. It simply most likely means you have one or more easy eliminator. And I mean easy to eliminate you, not that it's easy to fix. Obviously, you know, fixing or improving anything in your dancing is challenging. That's what makes it fun. <laughs> okay, that brings us to point number three. And this is that dance competitions are like a test, except as you are studying the test, the test is getting harder too. Everyone is fighting for a top spot. Jean. I worked so hard, I wanted it so bad, I did literally everything that I could and I still didn't get where I wanted to be. This is a conversation that happens a lot when dancers are, you know, they worked really hard and they feel super frustrated. They didn't get where they wanted to be and they did work super hard, they did everything they could and the results just weren't in their favor that day. In school, we are taught that if we study hard and we pay attention in class, we will get higher grades and we will be successful in school. If we put in the work, we are almost guaranteed a good grade. Or even if we, you know, it's not a subject we're great at, if we go to tutoring, we work on that, we go to the test, we do better on the test, we will get a good grade. Then we try to take that same mindset and apply it to dance. You work really hard, pay attention in class, you go to the test, AKA major, and then you're totally confused and discouraged if things don't go your way. That's because hard work doesn't necessarily guarantee results in Irish dance competitions. 
hard work, and I mean hard work as in you're also working smart, okay, not just running through your steps, does guarantee personal improvement. In other words, your dance skills will improve if you work hard and you work really smart. But the hard truth is that as you are working your butt off, you're doing everything you can, you're really pushing yourself, so are your competitors. Especially the higher and higher placements you go, people are just continuing to push themselves more and more and getting better and better. So it gets harder and harder. If we take the school test example, imagine you want to do really well on the upcoming test, um, but as you are studying for your test as hard as you can, you find out that your teacher is continuously trying to make it even harder. So every hour you practice, your teacher is practicing trying to make the test even harder. Not only will you have to get better than the original test, you are going to have to get even better than the new and improved harder test. This is why Irish dance competition can be really mentally and physically challenging. Everyone is working super hard to get to the top, and the people at the top usually want to stay at the top more than anything. So they're working their butts off to stay at the top. Everyone is working really hard. Just because you worked really hard, danced your best, and still didn't get what you wanted, doesn't mean you didn't improve or that you're going backwards. Your hard work and improvement is still 100% valid. It still counts. Improving, like the goal of being a dancer is to improve your skills and you are doing that if you are working hard and improving. As you can see, there are a ton of different factors at play when it comes to placements at a major. So in this last point here, I want to get into what to do with all of this information. It can feel kind of discouraging thinking about how even though you're working hard, your competitors are also working hard, and then it almost becomes like a, what's the point? Like if everyone's working really hard, like will I ever get better? So, or move up, you know, where I wanna move up. Um, and that's what I wanna talk about here because if you want to see big results in your dancing, you have to work very intentionally, continue to work very hard, very consistently over a, longer period of time. So let's get into how to work smarter and what you can do with all this information. So first off, understand that one competition result is not the end-all be-all of your dance career. Take a step back and look at the bigger picture. If you had one bad fish, that doesn't mean you're a bad dancer. If you had one major that didn't go your way, doesn't mean you're a bad major. If you had one bad year, like if you're going through a growth spurt, you had an injury, you just mentally had a really tough year with a lot of life changes, like that doesn't mean you're a bad dancer and that your dance career is over. You are going to have some bad days, some bad weeks, some bad months, some bad years where things don't go your way. It's all part of being in a subjective sport. Second thing to do with this info, become obsessed with your personal improvement. Watch your dance videos and identify eliminators and accelerators. If you don't have dance videos, if you're thinking right now, well, I don't have videos, how am I supposed to do that? Grab your phone, take some, and view them as objectively as you can. 
from your dance videos, pick apart what you need to improve the most and then work on it. When it comes to working on your eliminators and accelerators, set personal improvement goals and write them down. In one-on-one -on -one coaching, we call these monthly benchmark goals, and every dancer sets one to three improvement goals each month. They work on them as hard as they can, and then we see if they make noticeable improvement each month. It's really important to track your progress in this way or in whatever way works for you, but track your progress regularly so you can see that you're making improvements. It's not this big guessing game at the end of uh, right before major on whether or not you improved enough. Last thing, assess your habits and ask yourself how you can improve them. Example here, if you find yourself self-skipping practice at home, sorry guys, I can't talk today, um, <laughs> or maybe you'll find yourself only giving 50 or 60% in class because 100% is uncomfortable, or you meant to keep track of your teacher's comments, but you don't. Look at what you can do even better to improve your dancing. Also, check in with yourself or even ask your dance teacher what changes they think you need to make to take your dancing to the next level. When your teachers give you feedback on what they think you need to improve, listen and apply changes. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. They're there to help you. They want you to be the best you can be. And there's nothing better than working with coachable dancers who are willing to improve. If you find all this information helpful and you want to take your dance training to the next level, but you aren't sure exactly how to do that, you'll want to check out my one-on-one -on -one coaching program. It's all online and this program is designed for dancers who want to go all in with their training and see big improvements in their performance and results. The reason my one-on-one -on -one coaching program is so effective is because you have a plan of action designed specifically for your dancing and your goals, plus a coach to guide you every step of the way. Whereas many programs give you workouts, say good luck, and you never really hear from them again, with one-on-one -on -one coaching, you'll have unlimited messaging with your coach, weekly check-ins, and monthly goal-setting calls so we can help you stay on track. And during those weeks when you're feeling frustrated or having doubts or have a bad fish, you have a coach there to help you through and improve until you make your goals a reality. You can learn more by heading to www.rufeshfit.com or if you follow me on Instagram at rufeshfit, you can find the link in my bio as well. So that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you found something from it helpful and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.